Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Getting ready to represent Christ to your world today. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. I'm wondering if you have attended a funeral during uh, during COVID. So I want you to think back over the course of the last seven, eight months. Since March, have you attended a funeral? And if you have attended a funeral, was it in person or was it via a live stream? Maybe you have attended a funeral on Zoom. Zoom funerals. I think early on uh, during the pandemic, you know, you might have you might have uh, given a little bit of a side eye to a phrase like Zoom funeral. I have uh, been I've received three evites. This is a little weird, too. Right. I getting getting an evite to a Zoom funeral. My grandmother would have not understood uh, any of those words. Right. So <clears throat> uh, going to a funeral meant taking a day off of work and or two or three if you had to travel very far uh, and committing time to be with the family. Prior to um, the service, there was uh, a, a wake. There were opportunities to grieve together, um, to remember together, and then to celebrate the resurrection uh, that we have in Jesus Christ. So funerals are uh, really celebrations not only of the person and their life, but for those of us who are believers, they're opportunities for us to exalt Jesus Christ. I, I mean, of all of the things that we get together and do as Christians, funerals are really important um, because they are celebrations of the resurrection of Jesus. That is, if we're doing something else uh, when we are getting together as Christians um, to acknowledge the passing from this life to the life that is to come, if we're doing something other than celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the hope we have in him, then we're doing it wrong. So that's that seems important to take note of. I have received in the last week three Evites to Zoom funerals. And that probably uh, speaks to sort of where my extended social circle has now arrived in terms of uh, the experience of COVID. Um, And I have now attended my first Zoom funeral. And it was oddly intimate and real. And other than it feels really weird at the end, because a little bit like that when you're at the graveside service, and nobody quite knows what to do at the very end. Same on a Zoom funeral. Nobody quite knows what to do at the end. So I want to encourage you to think about that um, when you attend a streaming service, uh, particularly if it's a celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the resurrection hope that the now deceased person has in him, um, the life set before us. And and then also recognize if you are going to attend a, a funeral of a non-believer on Zoom, you, it's going to be depressing and you're going to be depressed because there's literally no hope there. And so uh, these are the days in which people are ripe for conversations about life and death. Zoom funerals give us an opportunity to 
talk about something that people have now very likely experienced, and it's a good conversation starter. So um, just jump in there and just ask people, even just randomly, hey, you know, have you have you attended a funeral in the midst of all of this? Like, have you been to a Zoom funeral? Like, what was that like? What was talked about? How did you feel? Um, and it's, you know, particularly generationally, I think this is a, a conversation we have to have um, generationally, because this may be one of those things that has has now changed forever. Um, there's probably going to be a streaming or a Zoom component to most funerals going forward, even if, even not even if, when we get, when we return to in-person um, services for these kinds of uh, of events. All right, that's my um, little reflection there. Blessings upon you as uh, as you consider the questions of life and death, because we are the people of life in a culture of death, and it's our responsibility to bear the good news of the gospel that people might die with a resurrection hope. All right, I got Adam Holtz waiting in the wings from Focus on the Families Plugged In. We're going to talk about uh, what we're watching and what we might want to avoid watching in the coming days. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. on the families plugged in you can find the reviews that we're talking about today at pluggedin.com adam welcome back good morning carmen you could start reviewing zoom funerals i'm just saying if you needed you know something to do in your spare time oh boy i think i'm i think my spare time is is good but thank you (laughs) all right hey uh let's talk about emily and the magical journey yeah this is a movie that is playing on youtube of all places it's a premium content so you have to buy it there uh, I think it's two ninety nine. This is a movie about a young girl whose father has died. She barely even remembers him, and her mother plunges into a black hole of despair. And Emily's sort of left on her own, emotionally speaking, to sort of sort through the aftermath of it. As she's sorting through that, she's also sorting through uh, a chest in her mother's study one day and discovers a novel that her mother has written. It's a fantasy novel. But it's not just any novel. It is a magical novel, and it transports her to a Narnia-like land where, of course, as these things tend to to go, she has the the critical role of confronting the evil, the wicked witch who reigns over that land. So very Narnia-esque, and in some ways it's a little bit like The NeverEnding Story or a much kinder and gentler version of Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, It's Mm. a nice story about bravery and love and uh, sort of working through grief. Um, And it's also the kind of movie that we never would have known about apart from uh, the coronavirus. And I think if there's any upside to our entertainment offerings these days is that because we don't have all these blockbusters competing for our attention, sometimes there are smaller movies like these that we never would have even knew existed that we're able to pay some attention to. And, and there's not much content here. It's not rated, um, but I think if it did have a rating, it would probably be PG. Um, the only real caveat here is that some of the, the imagery and, and some of the scenes are a little bit on the creepy and scary side. So, you know, if you have kids who, like when I was young, tried to watch Wizard of Oz and got freaked out by flying monkeys, uh, mm-hmm. you know, keep keep an eye on them if you tend to, you know, notice that they're sensitive to those things. But Pretty nice movie otherwise. 
Okay, and then let's talk about Come Away. Yeah, so this uh, turns out is uh, exactly the same movie, except it's in theaters. <laughs> okay, it's not exactly the same movie. Uh, this is a movie about um, a boy named Peter and a girl named Alice, and they live in an imaginative world that they construct, uh, and it has you know pirates, and it has rabbits, and it has all sorts of magical things. Um, well, David ends up dying, and again, both of the parents of these children plunge into an addictive haze of grief that they can't seem to get out of, and Peter and Alice are left to their own devices to sort of sort through the aftermath of their beloved brother's death, and they increasingly find themselves in this magical world that they've created, and the movie sort of begs the question of how much of it's their imagination and how much are they actually transported into this magical world. And if you're thinking Peter, Alice, rabbits, mm -hmm. pi pirates. Yeah. It's a mashup of Peter Pan and Alice in Wonderland. So it kind of takes elements from both of those stories and weaves them into a new story. Uh, it's rated PG. There's not that much content. I will say, however, uh, you know, going back to our funeral conversation, this is a movie that feels really grim and dark, and it's almost like they tried to take the happy turn at the end but but missed the exit, uh, and so it doesn't feel like a kid's movie. It feels like, huh, that felt like a whiff, like they needed an editor to say, hey, we need to pull back the darkness and give a little bit more light. So uh, it feels like a, a well-intended miss. Um, but you know, if you need a really dark children's movie this weekend, this one is out there for you. Uh, if you want to go to the theater. All right. Emily and the magical journey journey appropriate for kids just has, um, some, uh, some, uh, you know, slightly darker, creepy scenes that you might want to be sitting there with them. Come away a little darker, a little darker. It feels yeah. like, yeah. I'm just, adult, I, I've got a, I got a listener movie. who's, yeah, I got a listener who's asking like, what age are these appropriate for? And I think that, you know, we're not, um, let me just say, Adam and I are not here to make your decisions for you, um, right. or to dictate to you what you should or shouldn't watch. What we're here, what Correct. we're trying to do is, um, is help you cultivate a discerning spirit about what you're Absolutely. watching and your appetites for what you're watching. So as soon as I say it's got some dark scenes in it, um, for you, that may mean like we're not we're not watching that. I'm just not going there. Um, you right. may have a, a, a child who is maturing and you want to talk with them about the realities of darkness and light in the world. Your kids are probably more prepared for the conversations than you are, um, which is why Adam and I are doing what we're doing so that you can be prepared for the conversations your kids are already prepared for. OK, jingle yep. jangle. Let's uh, let's dispense with jingle jangle before we got to take a break. Uh, Jingle Jangle is a movie <clears throat> on Netflix, and it stars Forrest Whitaker as an aging inventor who had his best ideas stolen from him and popularized and and um, basically used by his protege, who takes you know what he's done and becomes rich with it. He's kind of old, kind of bitter, kind of given up on the inventing game until his granddaughter says, "You know what? You need to give it another shot." So this is a really pretty wonderful movie. It's rated PG. You know, you know, you're in good shape when the worst of the content is somebody saying, Oh my gosh, that's about as bad as it gets. So you can check out our full review of that. Um, if you're looking for another delightful Christmas offering. All right, Adam Holtz and I are going to take a very brief break. When we come back, I am going to wander into WandaVision. That's up next. You're on mornings with Carmen. Oh, keep me in the 
All right, continuing my conversation with Adam Holtz from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. Okay, I became aware yesterday of WandaVision. <laughs> WandaVision. And I got to tell you, just the uh, just the cover art creeped me out a little bit. You have a Leave it to Beaver type mom leaning over a uh, Formica counter. Um, she is dressed in what looks like a 1950s you know, style dress. Uh, she's even got like that 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 vintage hairdo. And yep. the quote unquote person that she is kissing to send off to work <laughs> is clearly not human. Um, no, he is a uh, human esque. Um, I, I will just say I immediately thought to myself, <clears throat> we have arrived at a point where we have to have an ethical conversation about trans species relationships when that species isn't a species at all, but a robot. Well, there's a lot to unpack there. So the person she's leaning across to kiss is uh, called Vision. And if you're an Avengers fan, you know that Wanda and Vision get married in the comics. And I will say I have been a Vision fan since I was seven years old back in 1977 when a friend introduced me to comic books, which, you know, again, there's a cautionary tale there too, right? Your, your children may have friends introducing them to things that you don't know about. Not that Avengers was bad, but I digress. So That kid introduced you to trans-species marriage. Well, I suppose he did. I really I wasn't did. thinking of it in those categories. I know. Uh, that's a conversation, obviously, we could have. Vision is a, as you said, a human-esque um, character. He is, technically, he's not a robot. He's an android. And if you want to get really <laughs> deep in the weeds, he's a synthesoid, uh, which I suppose doesn't really solve the ethical conundrum that you are talking about. I think. All right, is this, does that mean that he's like the synthesis of an android and a human or something? Does it mean he's got, bio, you know, like... There's biology in there? Oh, yeah, there is. I mean, they have mm -hmm. children in the comics. And actually, mm. I think they're going to have children here. And so, uh, you know, there apparently is synthetic biological material involved. I haven't really overthought that too much. Um, but, uh, yeah, but I think that you're right. I mean, he still is a – he is transhuman, I think, in the context of the story. Uh, you know, he is presented as somebody who is – definitely human-like. Whether or not he has a soul would be another interesting theological conversation. Um, I think what's interesting about this is that we've had a bunch of Marvel-based TV shows, you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Daredevil, and they've been on Netflix, they've been on ABC. This is the first one that is done by Marvel Studios by the same people who did the movies. And they are. this is a six-episode or six-hour series that they have intentionally created in the the form of an old school tv sitcom so that's why it looks the way it does and it's kind of a love letter to old sitcoms with all of those conventions while at the same time i'm pretty sure they're going to try to subvert some of those things with the way they tell the story but what's significant here is you now have marvel looking to very deliberately transform television the way with 23 movies over 10 or 11 years they transformed the movie-going experience. So um, I think it's definitely worth keeping an eye on. And uh, and here we have two characters that, if you're a super geek like me, um, I'm really looking forward to this, but now I have more to think about with regard to the ethics of trans-species relationships. That's my job, Adam. Get people thinking yes. about what they're not thinking about and well, maybe and rethink some too, things. So no, I, I know. 
I will include that because I think um, certainly we are looking to, you know, we're seeing more and more of these virtual sort of substitutes for the real thing. And even though I'm, I'm a little bit joking about it, I think your point is well taken in that, you know, in what ways are we turning away from the, the incarnate relationships that God has ordained to some kind of a substitute that isn't a substitute at all. And that's a, that's a great observation. So I'm recalling here a conversation that I had with Nancy Piercy from um, Houston Baptist University. Um, Nancy's, you know, she's an, an excellent apologetic thinker in the area of truth. And she's actually, this has been a number of years ago, but I remember a conversation that I had with her um, at sort of the advent of the sex robot trade. Yeah, and, exactly. Um, and so I do think that there are some apologists out there that have done some very deep thinking on this subject matter um, that we could draw upon when we are going to think critically, not only about what we're watching, but what the next generation of kids is just going to openly accept as normal or normalized. Right. And so it's right. um, it gets into the conversation about God's good design um, for those relationships in terms of men and women and God's uh, design of the family. I mean, I just think there's a lot of soil to till there um, in WandaVision. Yeah. So um, thanks for going there with me. Now, um, now let's go to the song that is going to be stuck in my head. What is going on with sound beaming? Sound beaming. So sound beaming is a new technology that basically aims sound so directly at your ears, like you as in an individual, um, that nobody outside of you can hear it. Um, and it's sort of as I'm trying to understand how it works and it, it's almost like a science fiction ish technology. Think of sound almost like a laser beam, you know, this tight beam of sound that is just for you and you can hear it, you can experience it, but nobody else can, but you can still hear other things as well. And so it's almost like wearing headphones only without hair wearing headphones and, in terms of the, the implications of it, once you get past the sort of the gee whiz notion of sound that you can aim that tightly, I think we're continuing to see this evolution of creating your own personal entertainment space that only you live in, right? Mm. Uh, and, and so I think that there are some interesting implications. And, and frankly, from a functional perspective, that's not that much different than putting in a pair of AirBot, AirPods now. You know, mm -hmm. you still have the same different means to the same end, but how much, you know, are we spending cultivating, that's a word you use a lot, you know, an entertainment experience that is completely private and we're the only ones engaging in it. Um, even if we're not indulging in bad things, there probably are still some theological implications that we can unpack there. Yeah, I um I guess I am wondering here out loud, Adam, um, because, you know, right now I could ask a kid what's on their playlist and I could actually kind of look at it with them. We could listen right. together. We could listen through things together. Um, it sounds like maybe I don't even they don't even have that kind of playlist here that I could review with them. Like uh, that's just yeah, it's this is um there's something a little bit creepy about not knowing what other people are listening to, even when we're in a shared space. Like, at least yeah. right now, I can see that they've got they got little earbuds in their ears. Right. Well, and, and I think about a work environment. It sounds like mm. you could use it there, but 
again, um, uh, with the people are going to look like I they're do, talking to themselves, right? Well, exactly. They're, I, I yeah. can't mm-hmm. listen to music and do work at the same time. Some people can. It's a total mystery to me, but I'm sure that there will be work applications here if this thing becomes popularized. Yeah, and it just robs us of silence in that space in which God well, can, exactly. you know, can talk to us. And I mean, if yes. you've just constantly got noise in your ears, that's just not a healthy spiritual place to be. All right, we got to leave it right there. Um, uh, just love talking with you, Adam. Thank you so much for the things you're thinking about and for helping us think more clearly about what our what our eyeballs are on and uh, what our ears are listening to. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Carmen. Absolutely. We've got to take a break for Breakpoint. All right. When was the last time you talked with a scientist about the veracity of the Bible? How did that conversation go? There is an alignment of science and scripture. It is explored in a new film. I would call it a documentary, but it's it's more like a travel log and it's part biography and it features Dr. John Lennox. And if you're not familiar with Dr. Lennox and his writings, um, wow, are you in for a real treat? The travel log documentary, the examination of modern science at the intersection with scripture. It's called Against the Tide, and Dr. John Lennox joins me next to talk about it. In bowing his head, Jesus gave up his spirit. This is Max Lucado. His head did not fall forward or slump. He bowed his head. Jesus was no exhausted, swooning sufferer. No one takes my life from me, he had promised, but I lay it down of my own accord. The man on the center cross commanded center sage. He was sovereign, even in, especially in, death. The family business to what she referred as a boy was finished some 21 years later and a half a mile to the west on the hill of Golgotha. Exactly what was finished? Well, there is one task to which he no longer needs to tempt, and that is the redemption of mankind. Jesus, God's sinless Son, absorbed in himself our sinful state, and we, his rebellious creation, can receive the goodness of Jesus Christ. Remember, my friend, you are never alone. This is Max Locato. It's taken me a few months, but back by popular demand, Dr. John Lennox. We talked with him in May uh, about where is God in a coronavirus world. Dr. Lennox is a professor of mathematics at Oxford University. He is an internationally renowned speaker and author of several books. He talks at the intersection of science and philosophy and religion. And it's not just where he speaks, it's where he lives. Dr. Lennox, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you very much. All right, I have two topics I would love to uh, till with you today. Um, first, let's uh, let's talk about your new book, twenty eighty four. Fine. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I think this is my takeaway. You don't want us to be afraid of everything, right? But because this is a book about AI, um, and it's about the reality of AI in our lives today, I think what you're trying to help us do is differentiate between. The AI that is going to be a part of our lives and the promise that brings, but then these ethical concerns that arise with things like surveillance technology and uh, you know and other threats that come with AI. Is it have is that 
a basic summary of where you're headed in 2084? That's right. I want to explain to people that there are two different kinds of artificial intelligence. One is already very widespread in its use. And like any other technology, it's got a plus side and a minus side. For example, artificial intelligence systems are being used to find a vaccine for COVID-19, for instance. And <clears throat> we can greet that and many other medical developments. But as you mentioned, they are used for surveillance technology. Now, of course, it's an advantage to a police force to be able to recognize criminals in a crowd. But unfortunately, some countries appear to be using surveillance technologies to suppress minorities. And that raises huge ethical questions. So the important thing to emphasize is AI isn't all about sci-fi hype in the future. It's actually being rolled out across the world and being used in all kinds of ways. And most of us are involved in it if we own a smartphone. We're being tracked. Our purchasers are being evaluated and used to stimulate more purchases. And there's a whole big ethical problem there with what's called the surveillance capitalism, that the information that is taken from our smartphones without our permission, by the way, is being sold on to third parties. So you immediately get into a huge array of problems. But I would emphasize that narrow AI, the stuff that works at the moment is like a sharp knife. You can use it to do good surgery or you could use it to murder. And so we need to have people involved. And I encourage bright young Christians who are scientifically minded to get involved, not only to develop the technology beneficially for the human race, but also to be on the inside of discussing the ethical problems. Dr. John Lennox uh, is my conversation partner today. Uh, really want to encourage you to check out everything that he is doing. JohnLennox.org is a, sort of the one-stop place um, for John. Um, love to talk about now, uh, and again, we, we might have to circle back around on the book 2084 because it's just so, there's so much there. But let's talk about this opportunity that people have to go and see Against the Tide. Um, we know you from... Um, from books, but now, you know, you're a film star. Uh, so talk <laughs> with us, talk with us about Against the Tide, Finding God in an Age of Science. Well, Against the Tide is a <clears throat> documentary film where I engage with uh, Kevin Sorbo, who's well known to your listeners as the atheist professor in God's Not Dead, and of course as Hercules, and he acted in Andromeda. And he and I spend time in two locations, firstly in Oxford, where he asks the skeptics questions about God and science. And then the second part of the film is done in Israel, where we discuss the evidence for the authenticity of the Christian faith. So it's a full-length documentary, and it's out in cinemas all around the USA on the 19th, 20th, and 23rd of this month, so very soon now. So you guys want to check it out. It's AgainstTheTide.movie. It is a Fathom event. 
Um, one of those uh, in-theater three-night events this time around, November 19, 20, and 23, against the Tide.movie. Um, what's the Tide, Dr. Lennox, and, and, and how does it ebb and flow? Well, the tide really is the tide of opposition to the Christian faith and the public expression of it. And in recent years, there's been a very big increase in the volume of atheistic attacks in the name of science on the Christian faith. And they've been very strong. The tide has been in. But what I'm trying to do in this film is to get across to the public that actually the tide, I would hope, will begin to flow in the opposite direction because there are very strong reasons as a scientist for accepting the truth of the Christian faith. It's atheism that is much more to fear from science than Christianity, in my view. So that's a, that's a strong statement. Atheism has more to fear um, from science than does the Christian faith. And that's because you have um, you have an integrated worldview as a scientist and as a Christian. So can you talk about that? Can you talk about the basis of your um, integrated worldview where science and Scripture are not in conflict, but actually in harmony? Well, I suppose the place to begin is uh, with the history of modern science, and it's a well-accepted fact that modern science is essentially a gift of the biblical worldview. C.S. Lewis put it brilliantly when he said, men became scientific because they expected law in nature, and they expected law in nature because they believed in a lawgiver. I'm not remotely ashamed of being both a scientist and a Christian because arguably it was Christianity gave me my subject. There was deep integration in the minds of the founding geniuses of science like Kepler and Galileo and Newton and so on. And you can see that as well in the foundation of our most world-famous universities like Oxford, Harvard and so on. They were originally religious foundations. The people that set them up felt that thinking and being believers in God worked together very well. So that is where I would start. Whereas atheism really, in the end, tells you that the human mind that does the thinking is simply the end product of random, unguided processes. And as I've said to many of my colleagues, if you knew that your computer that you use every day was the end product of mindless, unguided processes, would you trust it? And everybody I ask says, no, we wouldn't. So atheism is a huge problem, not simply with science and justifying it, but with rationality itself. Whereas Christianity tells you that the reason we can do science is that the same God who created the universe out there created human beings as rational, intelligent beings in his image. And so they're capable of understanding at least something about the universe. Dr. John Lennox and I have to take a very brief break, but when we come back, I'm going to ask him to reflect a little bit more on um, the image of God in each and every person. And I'm hoping that he will tell us a story um, uh, from his childhood when uh, I, I've heard you tell it before. So um, I'm hoping you will tell it again 
uh, in terms of what you learned from your dad about the value of every single person as an image bearer of the living God. I'm talking with Dr. John Lennox. Um, We are talking, among other things, about his movie, Against the Tide. You can find it at againstthetide.movie. It's a three-night Fathom event coming up very soon. Dr. John Lennox and I will be right back. Dr. John Lennox is one of uh, my favorite thinkers at the intersection of um, of worldview, science, scripture, um, how to walk our faith out into the world in ways that uh, honor both the mind and the heart and the spirit, the reality of who God is and who we are as his people in the world. Um, he's joined us today to talk about uh, a Fathom event. It's a movie. It's a film called Against the Tide. You can find it and more information at againstthetide.movie. Um, Dr. Lennox, you, um, this, these waters run deep in you in terms of understanding uh, every person as an image bearer of the living God. I have heard you um, tell others the story of uh, of growing up in Northern Ireland and um, and how in the midst of a very sectarian uh, time and place, your parents actually cultivated this commitment to the truth of every person as an image bearer. Can you can you tell us that story? Sure. Uh, as you said, Northern Ireland uh, was full of sectarian violence in my uh, teenage years, and my father tried to swim against it by, in his store, employing as far as he could, equally across the religious divide. And that caused a number of bombs and serious injuries to my brother. And I once asked him why he did this, why take the risk? And he said, Scripture teaches so clearly that every man and woman, no matter what their worldview is, are equally valuable, made in the image of God. And I am going to demonstrate that in my attitude to my employees. And that has lived with me all my life, that very deep, fundamental principle. I was listening recently to Jordan Peterson talking about Genesis, and he came across this statement uh, that God made humans in his own image. And he paused and he said, look, this is the cornerstone of Western civilization, and we neglect it to our peril. And it's that theme of the identity of human beings Mark one, so to speak, in the image of God that I take up in my book 2084 because there's another aspect of artificial intelligence, artificial general intelligence, which talks in terms of a transhumanist agenda that is creating a superhuman, going beyond the human. And even in the words of the Israeli historian Yuval Noah Harari in his bestseller Homo Deus, turning humans into gods. And I want to argue strongly against that. It is actually an atheist agenda. And I want to point out that humans are utterly unique, not simply because they bear God's image, but because they bear God's image, God actually became human. And that's the central claim of Christianity. So you'll find in my book a great deal of discussion arguing against this common trend of turning humans into God, so to speak. So I am going to, um, 
I am going to till that soil a little bit more. Um, we just talked in the last segment about a, a new um, uh, a new show, and it's called Wanda Vision, and uh, it's the you know it, it is it is transhumanism. There is no other word for what is being um, explored in that. Uh, comic representation of human life that in this case is not human at all. So um, fascinating times that we live in and great conversations to have. Um, and everywhere from the comics to the screen to the hearts and minds of our kids, this is the challenge I think that we face, Dr. Lennox, is that there are people undermining the veracity of Scripture inside the church. Like it. So can you talk about the undercurrents and the riptide of people who are supposed to be representing the truth of who God is and and who we are and uh, what Jesus is all about, and yet they are the ones in many cases who are undermining the veracity of the Scriptures. That's sadly true. And the Lord Jesus himself and his apostles warned us that we were to expect this, increasingly actually. And that's why it is so important for people to get into Scripture for themselves, for pastors and teachers to take Scripture so seriously that they spend real time on getting the younger generations into understanding it. Otherwise, that tide will blow everybody away. And you're right, we're not only facing the tide of atheism from outside the church, we're facing all kinds of curious doctrines that have the effect of undermining the truths of the gospel. And so that's why it's important that programs like yours and others are defending the historical truths of the Christian faith and explaining them to people because we're facing a vast amount of ignorance in my country and in yours and elsewhere around the world. All right, the uh, the book that we uh, we want you to consider is 2084. Dr. Lennox has also recommended um, Homo Deus, which is a 2017 book. Um, and it, again, Yuval Noah Harari, uh, A Brief History of Tomorrow, really excellent work as well on this topic. And we want you to consider Fathom's uh, film project, Against the Tide. You can find it at Against the Tide movie, at, excuse me, Against the Tide dot movie, and it's going to be in theaters November 19, 20, and 23. Dr. Lennox, what a delight to get to talk with you. Um, Thank you so much. Um, Thank you for the ways that you reflected uh, earlier in the year for us, helped us understand, you know, the God and the coronavirus world, and certainly thank you for the ongoing work that you're doing at the intersection of um, of science and scripture, helping us understand that they are aligned. They are not, um, they are not in conflict with one another. Well, thank you very much, but you've misunderstood me about Harari. Harari's work is thoroughly transhumanist and atheist. And in my book, I am taking it apart and warning people that this agenda is not going to work because it bypasses the fundamental flaw in human nature. It's trying to turn humans into gods without facing the problem of human sin. But people can find that out in my book, 2084, Artificial Intelligence and the Future of Humanity. But thank you for having me on. No, you're so great. Thank you so much. I missed the word answering in uh, in my notes. So 2084 is answering 
um, uh, this, this, this homo deus. Yes, I missed that word in my notes. So thank you so much for that clarification. That is uh, that, that's of critical importance. Um, Dr. Lennox, thank you. Uh, thank you again um, so much for joining us today and what you do every single day. You just, you just bless us. My pleasure. Goodbye. Goodbye. We'll be right back. Well, Dr. Lennox just uh, just demonstrated to us how you offer a gentle correction to a person who misses a word in their notes. So um, I just I hope you have enjoyed our conversations today. I hope it has stimulated your thinking about the world in which we live, this opportunity that we have before us as Christians in this most extraordinary of times. Let's use the technology that uh, that has been developed for good and for the advancement of God's gospel purposes. And let's guard our hearts and minds against the intrusion of those things that we recognize are contrary to his will and his spirit. These are challenging days in which we live, but Jesus Christ is up to the challenge. Indeed, he has overcome. All right, have a great weekend. God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.